Good evening, everybody. This is Jeff Morton with Returning to Eden. Glad you folks are coming along with us tonight. We have, uh, think we have a little switcheroo, if you don't mind me using that word. Uh, Dina is enjoying a vacation in Ireland, and so we have Ryan White with us tonight. Hello, Mr. White. Ryan, how are you? Hey, Jeff. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Ah, no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for co-hosting with me, and I know Dina appreciates it. I certainly do. So welcome. Thank you. Uh, Ryan just got back from uh, the Netherlands with Rico Cortez. So uh, if you don't know who Ryan White is, we're going to talk a little bit about his visit. But uh, he has a website. It's called Rooted in Torah. Uh, you can go to rootedintorah.com. For those of you who don't know who he is, he just uh, garnered his master's degree from Lincoln Christian Studies University. Uh, where is that at? Is that in Minneapolis? No, that's in, in Lincoln, Illinois, or kind of down south near Peoria, Illinois. Wow. Where are you? Are you in Illinois? No, I, I'm in Minneapolis. I, I chose the program because most of it I could do over the internet, I had to like oh. Skype into the classes a lot and stuff. I had to go to the college campus a couple times for like a week at a time, but uh, you know most of it was done in my home and just over Skype and stuff. So, so you have a master's degree in arts and biblical studies. Congratulations! Thank you. Uh, uh, did it take you what three, four, five, sixteen years to get that? <laughs> three, three and a half of of the studies. Yeah, it was. Uh, Pretty, you know, pretty intense program. Considering I was still, I'm still working a full-time job as a nurse, and you know, running a ministry and a website and everything like that. But, and you've got four boys, four growing boys. Four boys. Mary. <laughs> well, Ryan and I have never physically met each other. Uh, I've known of him for several years now, and uh, follow some of his information and the stuff that he's been sharing with whoever listens, and apparently there's quite a few. Uh, but uh, we have spoken a few times on the phone, and I'm just really thrilled to have him here. And, folks, one of the things that we do here in Returning to Eden is we try to always go back foundationally and then move forward. And one of the things that Dean and I both enjoy about Ryan is that's exactly what he does. Uh so, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Ryan, you're going to be with us for the next, today and next week. Uh, yeah. So we're going to spend a little bit of time getting to know you, listening to what you have to offer, and uh, just enjoying you being here. And I, I don't want to interview you. Uh, we like to just kind of have a conversation during the program and share. And yeah. so you just got back from the Netherlands. Tell us. What, what was that all about? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, myself and Rico got invited out there for their, their big Shavuot conference. Um, and out there, they, they kind of do Passover and Sukkot with their own kind of smaller groups. But for Shavuot, they try to all get together, everyone from all over the country. And so they had um, about... Well, during the whole time, it was a four-day conference. During the whole time, they had about 250 people there, but on, on Sunday, they actually had a, up to about 450 people. 
uh, who showed up for the conference. So it That's was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing for a country that small to get that many people in there. Um, it was just just great. And well, how how did it go? I mean, what what? Give us a day. Um, it you know the the whole thing was was really fantastic. Most people there, uh, you know, are at least bilingual. You know? Okay. Many of them spoke speak three or four languages even, and so most of them you know speak. English, or at least understand English, that they could hear us, but that we still, you know, spoke through a translator, uh, which al always helps, especially when you're discussing in-depth, you know, uh, concepts associated with the Bible. It's it's helpful to have someone saying that in your native tongue, uh, you know. But the the people were very respect receptive, uh, very receptive, respectful as well. Uh, you know, great crowd. Even though you know not everyone agrees on everything, they all sure. agreed to come together and they all wanted to be at a place where not everyone, you know, necessarily agrees, but, you know, we put aside all our little differences in theology, fighting about names and feast dates and all these things, and just come together and worship the Lord, you know, it's it's not all about us, it's about Him, and so, yeah, it was, you know, it was great. Uh, Rico taught on honor and shame, which is a subject they had never heard of before, right. and... Right. Um, you know, and that's 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 actually the the subject that I wrote my thesis on uh, for my master's program. It's just it's a fascinating subject. Uh, and well, then, well, let's just for a moment. People don't we don't realize that cultures lived and died on the honor and shame thing. I mean, if we look at today, if we look at corruption in our own life, uh, one of the reasons why the corruption is not staring us in the face is because people are hiding the shame and that goes back that goes back thousands of years it's it's yeah. we're no different we're a product of the same so the honor and shame thing I remember when I listened to Daniel McGurd teach on that I had never heard of the concept either but our Lord and Savior was shamed and the honor of who he is has to be restored so uh, that's a mountainous conversation. I understand that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah, like like you said, mountainous. It's it, but it's it's absolutely vital because it really isn't until we've developed the Western culture where we no longer have to depend on one another that the world has ever experienced a non-honor and shame culture. I mean, we're really the first culture not to to have any clue about honor and shame, and so. Oftentimes that distorts our our uh, perspective on that, and so that's that's one of the, you know like I said I wrote my thesis on that on my website I'm actually going to be developing I, I was while I was in the Netherlands during my little bit of free time I was I've been working on my PowerPoint that is going to use my thesis and I'm actually going to develop a whole course putting it together with little like five to ten minute videos on each little subject to kind of teach people about. Uh, what the honor and shame culture is, and and how we can start to understand our Bibles from that perspective. So that's well, something I'm to. In in the Netherlands, Rika spoke about this. What did you speak about? So I spoke on the uh, the concept of new creation, which is you know what we'll be kind of right. getting to a little bit at the end of the show, and then probably next week we'll probably spend you know more time on that. Right. Um, and then the, the last, so I, I spent the first two teachings on that, and then the last one, uh, I went into the concept of imperial cult worship, 
and how you know today we have we have you know political propaganda, right? Well, yes. people don't realize that they had p political propaganda in the Roman Empire, and that, for example, did you know that Caesar was known as the Son of God? Yes. Caesar's birthday was celebrated as the good news or the gospel. Caesar was the savior of the world. All of these terms that Paul specifically picks out of the Hebrew Bible to apply to Yeshua are also referred to Caesar. You know, and so really what he's doing, because remember, Paul's not writing to Jews. He or you know, to Jews who live in the at least in the land of Israel. He's writing to all of these Roman colonies, which right. would include Jews and a lot of Gentiles as well. And those people, for them, their primary problem in life is imperial cult, which was the worship of Caesar as God and the fact that, um, you know, it was the fastest growing religion in the empire at that time, the worship of Caesar as God. And so if you really want to to, to teach people how to make Yahweh their king, how to make God their king, you've got to first teach them that Caesar is not their king. <laughs> well, that, that goes to, oh, man, boy, this is, this is already going to be fun. <laughs> because if we look at, just look at Genesis in general, uh -huh. uh, Moses starts writing about the God of creation because the mindset of the people that he was talking to was Pharaoh was the God. Pharaoh was the Caesar. Pharaoh was the end-all, be-all. So he had to restore the identity. So now you're talking 1,500 years later in the same concept, uh, imperial cult, as you call yeah. it, was in play. And, you know, Dean and I have talked about this on the show. Yeah, uh, you know a lot of the terminology that Paul uses, son of God, all these things. This was quite common when dealing with uh, leaders in in high places. It wasn't yeah. necessarily that Paul was talking about the God of creation. Uh oh, the God of creation. He's talking about the world around him, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, it's good that you bring that up because think about even in the Exodus, what was their primary problem? They kept wanting to go back to Egypt. Yes, <laughs> they wanted they, they wanted said, to go there. You know, Dean and I have talked about it, this. Cain killed Abel in the field. Cain wanted to go back to the nations. That's another conversation, but we see that pattern fluent throughout the scriptures. But now you're back from the Netherlands. I know yep. you and I can go we can go crazy here right about now. But you're back from the Netherlands. You have a website rooted in the Torah, rootedinthetorah.com. How long have you had the website, Ryan? Um I think it's it's been about 3 years now since I really I have owned the the website address for a while but um since I've had it up and going and been putting videos on it uh, it's it's been about 3 years now I believe well you you recently went to a pay site not too long ago and I you know I used to struggle with that yeah but I'll tell you when I sit and go through Dina's website I feel like I'm in college, and I feel like I'm actually getting 
one heck of a discount in yeah. what she charges. Of course, she gifted me a space on the site, but I my whole mindset about that has changed because for the studier, for the person who wants to learn, you guys have amazing stuff. Yeah. There. I mean, and it's you can't get this stuff without paying thousands of dollars. That's kind of the idea because, I mean, it was – now, to be fair, the GI Bill, because I was in the Navy, that covered Me too. most of my master's degree. But right. the last three semesters I had to pay for myself, it was $3,000 a semester. Right. And, wow. yeah, and, and so my, my intent with the website is that you – are going to get you know that level of knowledge, that level of uh, education, because that's really what I'm trying to do is create a an educational platform. It's not it's not a, a you know Joel Olstein motivational speech website. Um, this is this is stuff that is you know I provide the research, I provide uh, references to the resources. If I can find the resource for free, I'll provide a link for it. You know, but it's it's a college education. I'm taking you know, I've got a library full of books back here. I spend $3,000 a year just on books alone. I'm doing all the reading, and I'm giving you the, the cliff notes on it, you know? No, I, like I say, my for me personally, I realize, I mean, Dina's got 35 years of material on her website. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't go to school for 35 years to glean the information she has I certainly can't pay for it. So my mindset about this has diametrically changed. And yeah. uh, as I go through your website and look at this stuff, see, the ideal for me is about the information. Mm -hmm. It's about learning the information. And, you know, I, I hear these, and I'm going to take a moment here. I hear these people say, well, you know, what good is head knowledge? Well, I'll tell you what good is head knowledge. Head knowledge separates you from the profane to the holy. Head knowledge introduces you to the purposes and plans of God Almighty. And so to me, the more you learn about this, the easier it is to come out of the mess. And your website offers that. I was on your website today, and I'm like, my God, you know, <laughs> I think, in fact, being learning on these websites um, you, you can't, it's priceless. It really is. So bravo to you. But your website, how do people, what is, what do you hope so, to accomplish navigating your website? So, yeah, we, I've got different levels. I do have some free stuff set up on there. Um, a lot of the free stuff is, is either stuff I've recorded at my local congregation or what I'm really kind of working on is just giving some kind of abbreviated versions of the full-length teaching, just so people could kind of get a, a level of interest. You know, because, like, like I said, the memberships, you know, I, that's not money that I go out and have a party with my wife with. That's reinvested into more books, sure. into better equipment. I mean, the website itself costs $1,000 a year to host on, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. So, you know, there's the free stuff, and then for the $10 a year you get in, and you get access to almost everything on the website. Um, I've got an entire year's worth of half Torah portions. I'm going through this year, I'm going what's, what I call Echoes Through Scripture, and that's where I take the Torah portion, I discuss a little bit about some of the concepts in the Torah portion, 
and then I trace how those connect thematically throughout the rest of Scripture, especially focusing on the New Testament or the Apostolic Writings. Right. Um, and next year, I'm already recording them because I'm recording them through for uh, Israel TV Network, but uh, next year we'll also have the Torah portions on there. So you'll have all three sets, you know, the, the Torah portion, the half Torah, and then connecting the Torah portion to the New Testament. Well, um, by the way, yeah, Ryan does have a program on Israel TV uh, Network, which is a new online network, and the show, how's the show doing? Uh, it's it's pretty good. I, I haven't talked to uh, the producer yet or recently, but as of a couple weeks ago, I was like number four on the network. So yeah, that's yeah, pretty good. That. <laughs> they offered me a show, and uh, uh, I kind of stepped back from doing it uh, for for several reasons. But primarily, I don't have the equipment and the kind of things that I need nor do I have the environment. So we're looking for a house to buy and do all those other things. But I'm also uh, yeah. looking at starting up another business and uh, getting back into the ownership stuff. So i got a lot of other things going on. But hopefully yeah. I, I hope to, to do a show on there. Of course, I'm always uh, encouraging people, if you're going to be part of the kingdom of God, you, you have to leave your racial identity uh, somewhere else. And you... You also have to leave your faith-based identity somewhere else either and and enjoy the benefit of being a citizen of the kingdom of the Elohim of Israel, which is well, a beautiful that, thing. That's, <laughs> that's what new creation is all about. He, Paul right. says there's neither male, female, Jew, Greek, Sc you know, Scythian, barbarian. None of that stuff matters. We are all a, one in Messiah. We are a new creation in Messiah. So yeah, you're absolutely right that we shouldn't be dividing up over uh, color of the skin, ethnic identity, uh, you know, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Jew, Gentile. None, none of those things are, are how we separate ourselves out within the body of Messiah. We're supposed to be a new creation. Okay, so fine, friends. Ryan just became my new best friend. Because... <laughs> I've been saying this for 10 years. I've been saying this most of my life. If you're going to be a citizen of the kingdom, you can't play by the enemy's rules. And oh. he wants to separate and divide. And I, that is so, so absolute, and I'm right there with you. But the whole concept of new creation, uh, what, what puts you on this track? Go ahead, and, go ahead and let's get started on that. Oh, man. Well... It was actually in my college class. Let, let me do, let me before we start, and I just want to say one more thing about the website really fast. Sure. Um, we also for the monthly members we have what's called a yeshiva section, yeshiva courses, and so in that we have a course on how I study. I go through like how to how to study your Bible, um, Hebrew language lessons, and then New Creation is one of the courses on there. It's a four hour study on this this concept of New Creation, and and there's a couple other courses there too. Uh, so that's where, if you really want to get in-depth studying, that's uh, that's where to go. So the the whole concept of new creation, for me, really started with in my one of my college classes. My professor mentioned that the only theme that you really see in every single book of the Bible is the concept of creation. And I thought that was that was kind of a strange statement. And, you know, because for me, creation was Genesis 1 through 3, and after that, things about... Until you read John Walton. 
<laughs> yeah, go ahead, Red John Walton. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, and and there's you know this is a subject that I've I've picked up from a, a lot of authors, um, and it's it's just amazing. Uh, you know, for example, the word bara, which is the Hebrew word for create, it actually occurs most frequently in the book of Isaiah, not in the book of Genesis, mm -hmm. because God is creating the nation, right? And real, realistically, this is not a subject I, I was ready for until it was put in front of me. Uh, my, my professor actually had mentioned the subject, and I bought a book on it uh, probably about two years ago. And that book just kind of sat and collected dust on my shelf because I really needed to study the temple first in order to really understand what creation is all about because and this is one of the, the biggest things that, that we as believers need to start understanding is that the temple is not about sin. You know, I don't know how everyone else was, was raised, but when I was growing up, we were taught that God gave the tabernacle because of the sin of the golden calf. And therefore, after Yeshua came, there's no need for the temple because he's now corrected the problem with sin. Uh, you know, and so in my mind, the temple was always about human sin, but nothing could be further from the truth. When you actually study what temples were in, in the ancient Near Eastern world, what they were in Israel, and what they really are in the Bible, because our very first temple is not the tabernacle. It was no, the Garden of Eden. It's the Garden yeah. It's Eden. You know, I'm sure, you, you know, given the name of your show, I'm sure you guys have talked about this. We have. In that. <laughs> We've done 12 uh, shows about it so far. <laughs> go ahead. Well, you're about to 13 and 14. We're just going to go. go out from a different direction. It's huge. I mean, but see what I want to say something here about what Ryan's talking about because the temple is is um uh, it's not a building in the way that we have seen it. It is a blueprint that is the foundation of the very presence of God in every part of creation, every part of the purpose of creation, everything that is being restored in creation. It is the house, the dwelling place of God. And unless we understand that, then what we have to take us away from that is the religiosity of all of these things as opposed to a foundation of the very reason for the thing itself, which is what you and I both clearly understand. But please continue, Ryan. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a great summary. I mean, the, the temple, primarily, it's the house of God. It's the place where God dwells and where the place where God meets with mankind. Right. I mean, it, and if you don't have that concept in mind. Every time the temple is mentioned, you're not going to understand anything about the temple. And and the issue is, is that, you know, we're, we're on our walk. We call this, this is our walk. This is the halakha. In fact, the early, early believers in Yeshua called themselves the way, which is associated with walking, right? Mm -hmm. Now, let's say that in the middle of your journey, your mind is erased. How are you going to know how to get to where you're going? Yeah. You need to know your beginning point, and you need to know the end point. That's how you walk a walk. And the problem is, is that our, our beginning point has been distorted, and the end point has been distorted. 
I can give you an example. If, if you're in the book of Revelation, when it's describing the New Jerusalem, most of our English translations are going to say something kind of goofy. It doesn't, it, it doesn't actually translate what the Greek actually says. Um, for example, my, my New American Standard says that the city was laid out as a square. This is Revelation 21, verse 16. And its length is great as its width. And he measured it with a rod 1,500 miles. The length and width and height are equal. Okay? Now, the problem is the Greek doesn't say 1,500 miles. It says 12,000 stadia. Now, why is 12,000 important? Well, I mean, we're back to the number 12. The number 12, the, the <laughs> tribes of Israel. The tribes of Israel, and, exactly. And it's a perfect cube. What, what in the temple is a perfect cube? The Holy of Holies. Yes. That's why it says there's, that's where I saw no temple in it, for that's where the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb dwell. That's where there is temple, because you're now inside the Holy of Holies. So you start with a temple, and you end with a temple where your humanity and God live together and walk together, and if we don't understand that the rest of the Bible is showing us how to get to the temple, we come up with some crazy things. We, we misunderstand, ultimately, why Yeshua died on the cross. Yeah, I listened to your teaching about that, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I like the fact that you try to bring the Christian world back to this place and and you do it with a passion and I understand that when I first started doing this uh, the rejection that I received and, and a lot of it was because I didn't understand what I was talking about so now that I understand quite a bit more then the ideal is to use the information to bring people together not beat them half to death and <laughs> And I didn't understand it. It took me a while to learn that because I'm like, how come you won't get this? And the bottom line is, like you said a moment ago, if the beginning is distorted and the end is distorted, then what you have is uh, a denominational reference point to just about everything, Yeah, <laughs> which gets insane. Anyway. Yeah. Well, and it ultimately, for me, the, one of the, the big questions that I was answering for myself in this study was, what does it mean to believe in Yeshua? What changes mm -hmm. in our lives? You know, because as, as we you know, walk on the Hebrew roots, Messianic walk, there is a lot of, you know, we're focused on Torah, 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 and then we look at the Jews, and we and then the question is, well, if a Jew were to, to believe in Yeshua, what changes? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a lot of, of people, it seems like the answer is, well, they just accept him as their Messiah, and they continue being a Jew. And the problem is, is that they were all keeping the Torah in the first century. And yet what Yeshua did was absolutely life-changing for the disciples. Right. So... We've got to rediscover that. We've got to go back and re-examine the New Testament and say they were already keeping Torah, so what additional things did they need? What needed to change in their lives? And uh, you, you see this just blossoming in the New Testament when you start to actually look for it. I know we're, we're getting close to the, 
the end of the show here, but let me yeah, give a... we got a really, couple minutes, but go ahead. Let me give a really quick example here. Matthew 19, this is where Yeshua is confronted with this question by the Pharisees. They're trying to test him, and they say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any matter? Which was a huge debate between the house of Hillel and the house of Shammai. Uh, the house of Shammai said, well, this, you know, they're, they're discussing Deuteronomy 24, and they say, well, this means committing adultery or some sort of lewd sexual act. The house of Hillel says, no, 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 this means she burnt the bread. Or Rabbi Akiba even went on to say, even if he sees a prettier woman, he can divorce her. And so they ask Yeshua this question, and rather than getting into a theological debate, trying to, to exegete Deuteronomy 24, he goes instead back to Genesis hmm. and says, don't you know who that he who created them from Bereshit, from the beginning, made them male and female, and so on and so forth. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. He was basically saying, stop fighting over what is allowed in the Torah and get back to focusing on how the Torah teaches us to be like new creation. Because the Torah allows us to mess up a little bit. Like he says here, Moses permitted it, <coughs> excuse me, because of the hardness of your hearts. So mm -hmm. stop living with the hardness of your hearts and start having a, a heart of flesh. Go back to how God created us to live in creation. That's really what Torah was supposed to be doing, was limiting how bad we could be, but ultimately forming us into perfect people like, like Yeshua. And we've gotten off course with our religious debates. So hopefully that, that you know kind of gives well, a little hint. We're going to get into this again next week. In fact, we're going to really dig into it in the 30 minutes that we have. But that's a good segue to opening up the conversation that we'll have next week. The concept of new creation is not about saying the sinner's prayer. It's it's a there's a lot more, and you're actually you're being adopted into the kingdom that has always been purpose. So we got to leave the junk in the trunk and practice the things that the king has set before us in order for others to see the light of the kingdom. Uh, man, I'm, this is good. I, I'm glad to have you here. Next yeah, I'm week, a great time. Yeah, next week we'll do this all over again, but we'll jump right into what, what you really want to share about the new creation. And Folks, remember, rootedintorah.com. Ryan White. You can also catch him on IsraelTVNetwork.com. We're going to have this show archived, and next week, and Dino will be back on the 21st, I guess. But anyway, thank you, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a great time. Yeah, we're going to do this next week, so we'll see you all next week. God bless you. Shalom, shalom. Say bye, Ryan. Bye. Right. Shalom. <laughs>